0: Well, good morning. Uh, Our text this morning is from Hebrews. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. Hebrews is in the second half of your Bible. It's after Philemon and before the letter of James. Just three verses, so I'll let you find it in your Bibles. Uh, As you probably noticed around you, today is the first day of Advent. Um, It's also the first Sunday of Advent. This is an exciting time. Uh, It's a time where we join in with the historic church around the world to celebrate the coming of Christ as a human being on our behalf to save us. It's also a time where we hope as we wait for Christ's return. Uh, This is the first sermon in our series for Advent. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. You made him for a little while lower than the angel's. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, More and more of the conversations that I have with our high school students uh, revolve around worry worry that things will not turn out well for them, worry that they will fail, worry that they won't live a fulfilling life. Uh, These students are anywhere from 14 to 18, these are their worries. Uh, but it's not just them. Uh, if you are a parent of one of these high schoolers, you know that you worry too. Uh, you worry about if your children will remain Christians as they grow in their faith. Will they take responsibility for their faith? Are uh, You worry that the schools are teaching good things, or you worry that they're not teaching what they should be. Are uh, You worry about safety for your children. Uh, senior citizens, uh, you also worry... Are uh, You worry about your family. Are uh, You worry about your health. You worry about the monthly budget. Uh, those in college, maybe you're here on break. Are uh, You worry about being able to make enough money. Did you pick the right degree? Those of you who are single and wish to be married, uh, you worry if there's really somebody for you. You worry maybe there's something wrong with you. And with one holiday down and Christmas on the way, uh, we worry about the difficulties that come with being together with those that we have both sinned against and been sinned by. Uh, Worry begins small enough, but it grows. And we feed worry with our curiosity and speculation. We fan the flame of worry by living in what we'll call digital Babylon. That is our online life. Uh, At the reach of your fingertips, you can find an eternity of things to worry about. We consume things happening all around the world, in different parts of the country, and then we project those worries onto our little corner of life. The threats of financial disaster in Cuba are now at the dinner table. The concern of America's government becoming like China's are now in your home. Talk of abuse of powers from... Leaders of all sorts, from religious to sports coaches, flood your evening with friends. And the worry brought on by grief from loss of loved ones is like a dagger in our chest that presses against our last thread to get up even though we have been so knocked down. Of course, not all worry is unwarranted. Uh, There are things that are just things we ought to be precautious about. However, uh, we are people so surrounded and embedded with worry that we hardly recognize for what our worry has truly become. Uh, it's fear. Fear that things will only get worse. Some of us fear that so long as the wrong people are in control, uh, we're forever doomed. Uh, when you live in fear, you do as much harm to others as yourself. People make terrible decisions. When they're ruled by fear. Uh, Who told you? Can you think of it? Who told you to fear the future? Uh, Maybe it was someone else. Maybe they gave you this fear. Merry Christmas. The gift that keeps on giving, fear mongering, and a soul that is always unsettled, regardless of the truth that God has given us Himself. A good gift. But we are this anxious age, aren't we? So, our passage this morning was written to a people worried to the point of fear, like many of us. Uh, Their hearts were anxious. The author of Hebrews has written to a group of Christians who are afraid of pain, both physical and social, from the pressure of those who wanted them removed because of their commitment to their political party. No, because of their commitment. To what school they would go to. No. Because of their commitment to how taxes should be spent. Not quite. For what football team they chose. No. For their commitment to the way of Jesus. One way out for these people was to abdicate, to just give up, to return to either Judaism or their pagan practices. Another was to press on and face unknown persecution. They lived in fear of things getting worse. They knew that Jesus had conquered death and that this good news had changed everything for everyone forever. They knew this truth. They were not ignorant of this, but they weren't seeing it, at least not how they thought they would. The walls were closing in around them. And so here's our question this morning. Do you feel the walls closing in around you? When you think about the future, do you feel the walls closing in around you? Uh, Please join me in praying. Jesus, we ask that you would be our answer. Holy Spirit, that you would be our guide. Father God, that you would be our provider. Amen. Uh, Today we're going to look at two parts of Advent to see what to do with our fear of the future. Uh, Advent points us now, points us to the now of Christ's coming. Uh, That will be part one. And Abbott points us to the not yet of Christ's return. That will be part two. Uh, Then we'll look at a couple reasons why we don't actually have to live in fear. Part one. Uh, If you have your Bibles, look at verse eight. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. Uh, This echoes back to Genesis one where God put Adam and Eve in charge of creation. And so we remember the goodness of humanity, even in our fallenness. The goodness of humanity that we're to be stewards of creation in this world. The author is taking Psalms 8, that's referencing Genesis 1, and applies its other meaning to to explain how Jesus is in control of the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, Jesus, as the second Adam, has done what the first humans, what Adam and Eve, couldn't do. He has come. This is what we're celebrating. Uh, the world to come, it says a little bit higher in verse 5, is in subjection to God. He left nothing outside of his control. Now look at the second part of verse 8. However, even though he left nothing outside of his control, what do we see? What do the people that the author of Hebrews is writing to see? At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. It's like, but we don't actually see it right now. At present, it does not look like everything is under God's control. It looks like things are actually getting worse. The walls are closing in. And why does this matter for us? Because if you are a follower of Jesus, you must live with your eyes open. You must live in reality right now. You cannot minimize the evil of this world because of the restoration to come. That's escapism. We were never called to live that way as Christians. If in Christ uh, you can see things for how they really are, it is possible. And you can do that without living in doom and gloom. Uh, I often hear people say, particularly students, that they have too much doubt to be a Christian. They have too much doubt to believe in Jesus And I'm so glad that we're allowed to ask questions. Because when I ask them, what do you mean by doubt? They say, well, I just have a lot of questions. And I smile internally because I know that that's not what doubt is. That I, too, have lots of questions. To be a Christian necessitates that we ask questions. Because that's how we continue to learn and grow and see reality for what it really is. That's how the author is able to say to his people, right now, I know, like, you've got a lot of questions. (laughs) It doesn't look like God is in control of everything. It does not look like Jesus has put everything in subjection to him. Theologians call this now and not yet, or already and not yet. Verse 8, you can see it right there in the text. It says now, nothing is outside of his control. And then later in verse 8, and we do not yet see this. Meaning this, that the kingdom of God has come now. Jesus has announced the good news now. And not everything is the way that it's supposed to be yet. Uh, So what do we do with our fear? Uh, We live in this tension of already and not yet. This already and not yet of God's kingdom. Uh, This is Advent. We live with our eyes open, seeing reality. Not trying to remove ourselves because we know that one day everything will be set right. Not trying to avoid the pain because it's, it's too much to bear. And not living in cynicism either to say... This world is getting worse and worse and being controlled by the fear. No, instead, dear brothers and sisters, uh, we live in that tension of already and not yet. Everything is under subjection to him as nothing is outside of his control. uh, But we don't see it all. That's why we see, and I love this, I love how the NIV says this. Am I allowed to say that? Is that okay? I know. In verse 9, it says it this way, But we do see Jesus but we do see Jesus. And we see Jesus who has suffered death on our behalf. We see Jesus who is crowned with glory and honor. Uh, Quickly now, we'll go through the three reasons why we don't have to live in fear. So first, we've got the tension that we're called to live in the already and not yet, that God has created us. He's crowned us with glory and honor and It's not yet the way it's supposed to be. So we live in that tension. Don't abdicate. Don't live in cynicism. And don't avoid reality. You can open your eyes for what it really is. Three reasons we don't have to live in fear. First, Christ has come. Uh, The already and nowness of already and not yet. There are signs of this today. Uh, Remember, think back to your former days, maybe before being a Christian or if you were raised in the church, maybe you're a covenant kid when you were a little Christian. Uh, Think back to how Christ-like you really were. Uh, But Paul says when we think back to how Christ-like we lacked, he says, such were some of you, Uh, but you were washed, you were sanctified. And now because time has gone on, because of the Holy Spirit active in your life, because of the nowness of Christ in our life, you have more patience, you have more love, you have more kindness, you have more gentleness, and self-control. Some of these things, we just chalk up to getting older, maybe getting more information, just knowing more things, maturing. Uh, But we we shouldn't separate maturing with spiritual maturity. We shouldn't separate the fruits of the Spirit with just getting older. This is really the nowness of of Advent. It's the nowness of God with us. That if you are loving others and not getting something in return, that is the fruit of the Spirit. If you are truly patient with someone, not because you're trying to teach them a lesson, but because you know that God is patient with you, that is truly the nowness of Christ with us. This is the nowness that we are able to see right now. The fruits of the Spirit displayed in God's people spill out into the realm of your family and your peers and your neighbors and your work and your community and your city and your state and the country and the world. And it's never disconnected from the spiritual realm. Uh, this is heaven meeting earth. This is Christ bringing down. This is the invasion that C.S. Lewis talks about of heaven invading Earth, You are actually experiencing this. If in Christ you are experiencing this, and this is good. A wearing the crown then is knowing you are surrounded by this Christ who has come. Dear Christian, do you feel like you're surrounded by fear? Look to this text. You're surrounded by Christ. Do you feel like you're surrounded by all those who want your demise? Look to this text. You are surrounded by Christ. His kingdom has come. It's the ruler of heaven meeting earth and bringing his kingdom. It's God, as the text says in verse 8, putting everything in subjection to him and leaving nothing out. And so here's our first reason. Our first reason that we don't have to live in fear. Christ has come. It's that simple and it's that deep. Christ has come. Uh, You do not need to live in fear. Second, The not yet or already and not yet part. At present or now, we don't see every realm in subjection to him. Uh, We do see growth and change like we just talked about, uh, but we see something else, don't we? Uh, We see our sin. Uh, We feel the tug of war in our chest to do that which we don't want to do. We are afraid of the world to come. Uh, We're afraid of the future. Let me ask you, where does your fear come from? What great evil do you point to as the source of your fear? Tim Keller helps us think about it this way. He says this, Great evil is abroad in our world. However, when we ask where that evil comes from, controversy erupts. At one end of the spectrum, there are those that say the rich and the powerful are the ones to blame. This view of things tends to make the poor and the minorities the heroes of the world's story. At the other end of the spectrum are those who insist that immoral and irresponsible people are the main problem. And this tends to make hard-working, decent, middle-class people the heroes of the story and both the shiftless poor and the immoral elites the victims. Uh, is, this, is this where you point to for the evil in the world? Is it that simple for you? At this realization, we might be a bit conflicted. Uh, We don't like the evil in this world, and so to cope, we worry about the future and fear of what could go wrong. Still, if we're going to see our reality for what it really is as Christians, uh, we can't avoid the true source of the evil in this world that we are afraid of. Uh, Andy's not preaching this morning, if you hadn't noticed, uh, and so I can steal his G.K. Chesterton quote. A newspaper uh, requested several people to tell them what's wrong with the world. And he responds, uh, Dear Sir, I am. Is this our response? Uh, Jesus taught that we are not to worry. In the Sermon on the Mount, he preached not to worry about what you will eat or drink or what anybody can do to you. Instead, what did he say? The kingdom of God has come now. Seek first me and all these things will be added to you. Seek my kingdom, and you will have everything that you're afraid you will miss. The writer of Hebrews does the same thing. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. But we do. This is the ESV now. But we do see him, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor. Advent reflects this already and not yet of so the kingdom of God. During this time, we see the subjection of all things to Jesus in his first coming as a baby. As a human, he was a little lower than the angels, meaning temporarily, meaning time-wise lower than the angels. He humbled himself and as a result was crowned with glory and honor. And so this is the second thing that we see. Because Christ is returning, we don't have to fear because Christ is returning, we don't have to fear. Uh, you don't have to get all your eggs in order to get rid of your fear. Uh, you don't have to have the perfect job set up to get rid of your fear. You don't have to live in the perfect place, finish the kitchen, uh, kitchen reassi- what am I trying to say, reassignment, restoration, fixing, you know, remodeling. We all watch TV, here we go. Um, you know, maybe for Caitlin and I right now, it's like we're remodeling our kitchen. I don't actually have to wait for that to be done. To have peace. I don't actually wait for that to be done. To not live in fear. Uh, so that's our, that's our second thing. That's our second reason. But it wasn't simply becoming a man. That gave Christ the crown. It was what he did as a human on our behalf. The first humans. Adam and Eve were also crowned with glory and honor. That's what Hebrews. That's what the author of Hebrews is quoting in Psalms 8. That they were crowned with glory and honor. That they were made. With beauty made lower than the angels and given authority to rule rightly as God put everything in creation under their feet. Uh, we know this before things went wrong and they rebelled in Genesis 3. They lost this complete subjection over creation. And yet, because of, our, because of, because of Christ, because of him tasting death on our behalf, uh, we don't have to fear either. Uh, he's done what we could never do. He's picked up the punishment that was due to us. He's taken God's wrath on our behalf, and so we don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be afraid that one day the hammer is going to drop. You don't have to live in fear that one day you'll be found out for a fraud. Christ knows, and he loves you. You don't have to live in fear. He has taken all the punishment. Uh, We call this the first Adam, though God created good, fell into misery, And Jesus, the second and better Adam. He does what humans were always meant to do, be crowned with glory and honor and rule over creation to create flourishing and goodness. This is the drive of our hearts. This is what we really want. We want to contribute. We want to make good things. And Jesus has the goal of restoring us to himself. As verse 9 continues, it says, We see that Jesus is crowned with glory and honor because he suffered as a human To the point of death in our place. As Paul put it, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Before the foundations of the world, we were predestined in him. So now, don't face the wrath of God in fear. Don't face it at all. He has taken it upon himself. You don't have to face the wrath of God because of intelligence or handiwork or being born in the right place at the right time. Uh, avoid all those things, all those narratives. Instead, uh, you don't have to live in fear because of the grace of God. Uh, that's why he's done this for you. It's not a, I did this for you, quid pro quo, like you, you owe me everything, and now he's still, you know, hanging fear over your head. No, that's, that's not our God. It's all grace. It's God's gift of salvation. That's what we celebrate at Advent. God came down and became one of us. We'll sing, part of, we'll sing the rest of this hymn later, but uh, this is just a section from it. And if I say the name of the guy wrong, Dan, that's my apologies. Uh, Thou who art God beyond all praising, all for love's sake became this man, stooping so low but sinners raising, heavenwards by thine eternal plan. Thou who art God beyond all praising, all for love's sake became this man." Uh, that's how the hymnist uh, Frank Hooten uh, put it. "God came down. The world is not, it should be, and though we fear what we don't see, uh, we must look to Jesus who we do see. Because of this, you don't have to live in fear of being a big success, your dream job, or whatever uh, you think America should look like, all the good things, if all the good things in life go sour, uh, you don't have to live in fear. If you're in middle school or a high school, uh, you can still look to Jesus. If you are a parent scared for your children, look to Jesus. If you are a grandparent or single or widowed or just can't get out of bed anymore or scared your business might not make it or just missed your old friends and are scared you might not make any new ones, cling to Jesus because he loves you. And how do we do this? Here's how. Uh, we wear the crown With glory and honor. God has given us this dignity and mandate to wear the crown. The crown is ours by the grace of God. He loves us. Uh, Can you receive this grace? I remember the first time that God's grace really struck me. I mean, really struck me. Uh, I was out of college and I had a job lined up that fell through. And so my fear that I would be a failure after college started to happen. That I wouldn't be able to make money. And the fear grew into a picture of the future where, pity, where people pitied me. And so I, in shame, uh, overworked to get as many odd jobs as quickly as possible. By God's grace, a Christian couple was one of those uh, people who supplied me with an odd job. As the summer went on, I got some better-paying uh, work, and so I left that, and they reached out to me and said that they hadn't seen me in a, in a while. And so feeling that I had offended them, you know, I drove over, to find out you know, what I had done. They understood that I just had something that paid better, no big deal, and they were happy for me. Uh, but I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop trying to prove myself to them that I was a good worker, that I wasn't a failure, I wasn't a quitter, that I could make money. So I tried over and over again, offering to work even earlier in the day. This was something silly, like just mowing like a giant lawn. Like, it wasn't a big deal. They're like, really, we can find somebody else to do it. Like, it's, it's okay. Like, we got this one. But I kept insisting. And finally, something just snapped. And I realized something. I was trying to make my dad proud of me. Now, my dad was halfway around the world with family for a trip. He had no idea about the details of that scenario. But God's grace hit me like a ton of bricks, and I wept like a baby. For the next next month or so, I had to pull over when driving because I would experience God's grace for me like I never had before, that he loves me, that he'll provide for me, that he's proud of me. I was to wear the crown of glory and honor because I'm his. Dear brothers and sisters, who are you trying to make proud of you? Who are you afraid you'll displease I am Christ, not because I, am, I belong to Christ, not because of my accomplishments. I was afraid of never amounting to anything, but by the grace of God, Jesus tasted death on my behalf. I can live with the crown of glory and honor regardless of how life goes. Uh, when I live in fear, though, fear of the future, I make terrible mistakes. Um, again, like worry, it starts small. It starts with overworking because you have to prove yourself to be loved, to have dignity, to be valuable. Uh, this is probably one of the most uh, skirted over uh, acceptable sins, especially as Americans. Just overworking, not trusting in God. we got to find our comfort. we got to get rid of our fear by what we deem valuable. Or it starts with flattery because you fear abandonment. So you manipulate people with flattery into never leaving you. It grows into buying outside of your means or needs so that you can appear successful. It looks like saying yes to whatever your children want because you fear them resenting you. And you fear being a bad parent. But you can't control whether humans leave you or not. Or if others will view you as a success. Or if your children won't just resent you for something else. As Augustine said, uh, our heart is restless until it rests in the overworking, overstudying, overworking out, overpracticing. Uh, will never comfort you from the fears you have. You'll always have a nagging in the back of your soul that says it's not enough. What if you're robbed? What if the market crashes? Someone is studying or practicing more than you. They're ahead of you. That's the promise that fear makes you. That's the promise that fear says will give you glory and honor. Uh, But we know that fear does not deliver on its promise. When humans are afraid, we make decisions we never thought we would. Therefore, brothers and sisters, wearing the crown with glory and honor is what we need to do when we are afraid. To live rightly, to uh, to live facing the evils of the world and our own sin with our eyes open. Not growing in fear, but day by day, because of the grace of God, we can live with our head lifted up. When you are afraid, look to Jesus. See him wearing the crown with glory and honor, and remember that he has given you one too. Later in Hebrews and in the Gospels, Jesus calls us siblings. We wear the crown with glory and honor, not because we've earned it, but because Jesus has for us. And after earning it, he's placed everything under subjection to our feet. Now, today, you can wear the crown. And yet, not completely. The second part of Advent is that Jesus is returning again. He suffered to the point of death for you and me so that we can wear this crown with glory and honor as you were always made to. And this is a gift of God. It's his grace poured out for you and me to not live in fear, but instead live with courage. All for love's sake became this man. The not yet feature of Advent is that we long with hope-filled anticipation for Christ to return and finalize the subjection of all things, including you and I. Uh, Lastly, look back up. We didn't read it, but look back up at verse 6. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. So we wear the crown. Why? Because being crowned with glory and honor is our God-given, created goodness, dignity. And although the ground is hard to work and there is much pain in childbirth and other results of the fall, we still have the creation mandate to rule with God. Jesus coming down shows us how to do this as our elder brother. He leads the way. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Brothers and sisters of the faith, toss the crown of fear. It does not look good on you. Wear the crown that Jesus gives with glory and honor instead. What Jesus has declared through the prophets, he has now begun in becoming man He bore the wrath of death that we deserved, and He did it for us. Because Jesus came for us, we don't have to fear. Because He's tasted death for us, we don't have to fear. And because Jesus is returning to finalize the restoration of all things, we not only don't have to live in fear, but we can live in the tension of now and not yet with the crown that He's given us with glory and honor. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you care for us, that you love us. We ask, Father God, that you would give us all and more that we need. Crown us, Lord, with glory and honor. Uh, Let us give to you our fear. Let us not be ruled by it. Let us look to your coming, and let us look to your returning. Amen.